Hey, this has been Flanagan. Most of you know by now that Cecil Hurt died on Tuesday, November 23rd. He wrote about Alabama sports for the Tuscaloosa News for nearly 40 years. He died of complications from non-COVID pneumonia and other underlying conditions. He was 62. Hurt joined the Tuscaloosa News staff as an Alabama beat writer in 1982 during Paul Bear Bryant's final season. He became sports editor in 1989 and was the paper's primary sports columnist for nearly three decades. This loss is devastating. Like Cecil, I was born in Tuscaloosa, two years after he joined the Tuscaloosa News, my hometown paper that I grew up reading on my kitchen counter every morning. Cecil played a huge role in my introduction to and relationship with Alabama football, really all Alabama sports. He was my introduction to sports journalism, and really journalism for that matter. Like Paul Feinbaum said on his show Tuesday, shortly after learning about Cecil Hurt's death, quote, I would argue in modern time, no one person in the media has ever been more influential or consequential with what he said and wrote than Cecil. His words carried a tremendous amount of weight, end quote. That hits it on the head. People really cared about what he said. He was influential in the way people understood and felt about Alabama sports. No matter how closely you watched the game, even if you were there in person, you might not have really known how to articulate your feelings about it until you read Cecil's Sunday column. And every fan or journalist who read his work or encountered him, they learned from Cecil Hurt. He was brilliant, and his gift was understanding the real story before, during, and after each game what it actually meant, how it affected the big picture and the larger narrative of the season. What he said mattered. Beyond the Sunday column, if I was reading the game day preview in the Tuscaloosa News, I skimmed through the predictions to get what Cecil thought might happen. If I missed it live, I went out of my way to download his segment during the Paul Feinbaum show. And he was far and away the best media guest on Nick Saban's weekly radio show. He had Saban's respect. He had everybody's respect. I didn't really know Cecil personally. I may have had two or three conversations with him ever, but I spent much of my life reading and admiring his work. I would see him at basketball games, walking around to and from the press area, knowing exactly who he was. I would see him walking around town, even in my neighborhood near downtown Tuscaloosa, knowing exactly who that was. That was Cecil Hurt. That was the Tuscaloosa News sports editor, the columnist that I read every single week. I think the main thing that I learned from Cecil was you can see something, gather your thoughts, take your time, and you can share a considerate and measured, even-keeled response fueled by substance and perspective instead of just blurting out the first thing that pops into your head just because you can. He was the best at what he did, and he left us far too soon. There will never be another Cecil Hurt. I'm sharing my conversation with him from September 2018. For this podcast, we talked about a range of topics related to Alabama football, from his relationship to the fans, to his own background and connection to the program. I hope that you listen and you learn a little bit more about Cecil in these 20 minutes. My thoughts are with his family and loved ones. He will be missed. First, can you please tell me where you were born, where you went to college, and, and what specifically you do at the Tuscaloosa News? I was born in Druid City Hospital in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. 
Um, I went to the University of Alabama. I did move away. I graduated from high school in Huntsville, but came back to the university. And the other part was what I specifically do at the news. Yes. My title is sports editor. I don't really have any office duties beyond the, the normal reporter office duties. Um, so it's mainly a columnist. I'm the basketball beat writer. Uh, I help on football. Okay, and, and so growing up in Alabama, having been born in Tuscaloosa, growing up, what was your relationship with Alabama sports and, and more specifically Alabama football? Yeah, let's let's um, understand, and you didn't know this. Some people know it. And, um, it's not a secret. My dad played for Coach Whitworth uh, in a in a limited role. He was he was a pretty highly recruited player out of Woodlawn, but had a knee injury. Uh, but he played in '56 and '57 for Coach Whitworth at Alabama. So so I've always been around it. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a connection for me since really before I was born and certainly when I was born. Um, you know, my dad had, had left the team, had gotten married and left the team at that point, but but uh was still around and, and of course had played for two years. Uh freshman team and then and then as a sophomore. So um so it's a pretty <laughs> it, it it my relationship to to Alabama football in some ways predates my actual birth. <laughs> okay. And in, in just in terms of your role, you know, at the Tuscaloosa News and covering the program, I mean, I know professionals obviously understand the nature and basics of maintaining objectivity on the job. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to do uh, for somebody at that level. Um, and you're someone who, who, in my and others' opinions, you've always had a fair and honest perspective on what you cover. But I wonder if ever in your career – that has ever been called into question by either the fans or, or anybody that you cover? Sure. It's natural. First of all, anybody that's just, just strictly on career longevity, I think the same thing happens. And these are guys who are, who are great objective reporters. Please understand what I'm saying. But they've um, been at their position a long time, like Pat Dooley at the Gainesville Sun, has covered Florida for many, many years. Um Jimmy Himes and John Adams, although they weren't originally from Knoxville, they've been in Knoxville a long time. So, so Chip Towers, uh, who, who's covered Georgia for various outlets. Uh, we all get that to some extent. Um, I may get, have gotten it a little more, but time also bears that out, I think. If you're, if you're a homer, if you're a cheerleader, uh, a, fans figure that out pretty quickly. And B, it's really not what they want. They want honest information about their team. Well, has it ever been something that you've wrestled with internally, like where you have to weigh how the program or fans will feel about what you write? Uh, no. I mean, you, every reporter, whether it's at the, you know, look at the, look at the wrangling and the, the personal relationships and the, the day to day in the White House press corps. You know that, that some people want to be in favor with the administration that's in that some people don't. But the best White House reporters are the ones who show up every day and do their job regardless of politics. So it, it happens at every level of journalism. It's not just sports. You know, it's certainly in politics and in, and in a lot of other areas as well. So in in those terms, no, I haven't I haven't wrestled with it because I. It, 
I'm not saying you want to go in there and and antagonize and, and blast everybody and, and show them who's boss and so forth. You want to do a fair, comprehensive, impartial job. Um, do you want to have a working relationship with the people that you work with? Sure, just like White House reporters want to have a working relationship with, with the White House, just like congressional reporters want to have that relationship. State House reporters in Montgomery. It's virtually the same thing. Um, so you don't want to be hostile, but at the same time, uh, if, if the people that you're covering understand that they can can walk over you or can get away with things that, that um, you're not going to report, then they're not going to have any respect for you. So you, you have to balance that. Well, and like you said, this idea of Homer Media, it, it does exist in every town covering their respective programs, including Alabama. And, and a lot of these folks, they're not directly affiliated with the university, yet you know some of them are credentialed media at, at the games and at other events. What, what place do you think that type of media has in the landscape of covering Alabama football in particular? Well, more and more because electronic media has, and the Internet um, has made that more acceptable. You know, every, every major college team, certainly every professional team, has its own website and then affiliated websites and then, and then just fan sites and so forth. And, and there's certainly a standard if you're credentialed. Um, you don't like to see people coming in wearing team gear or, or things like that or talking about we, you know, we'll do this and we'll do that. You, you try to avoid that. Um, and, and you'd like to see other people avoid that. So, uh, they have a place. Uh, it's a, <laughs> without making this political, you can say it's a Fox News world where people hear what they want to hear. You can say it's an MSNBC world where people tune in and hear what they want to hear. Uh, so there's some of that in sports, sure. I and mean, that's just a reflection of the general culture. How would you describe your relationship with the fan base? With the fan base? Yeah. Um, first of all, it's a situation where you can't generalize about the fan base. You know, you can't say, well, I will do this. And 100% of the fan base is going to be happy because it's a large group and a diverse group and some people... Some people are going to like what you write and some people aren't because not all Alabama fans think the same. They, they tend to, to, you know, they tend to like what Coach Bryant did or what, Kate, what Coach Saban has done. But, um, if Alabama's not winning championships, it can get very, very contentious among the quote unquote fan base. So, you know, you don't, you don't have one single amorphous group out there that you can that you can please um so um i would like to think that over the years you know i've been accurate enough and entertaining enough uh that i have a good reputation among a large part of the alabama fan base but you know that's i can certainly find alabama fans for whom that is not the case. Well, in, and on that note, I'm interested in this term sidewalk alumni that, that is used, like you said, by different sects of the fan uh, fan base. 
What do you think of that term? I mean, it's obviously used by few members of it, in ter- like to to is like this like would be stigma to denigrate certain portions of the fan base. But are you you're familiar with that term? I'm sure, and, and I'm just curious. What do you think of What do you think of it? Well, it originated with Notre Dame because they had so many fans who were Catholics who who did not attend the university in South Bend, but identified with the team. Uh, pulled for the team, and they were in New York, Philadelphia, um, across the country. Uh, the the Notre Dame fan base is far, far larger than the Notre Dame alumni base. And so uh, then I think it, it further reflects, usually with, with state universities, um, Alabama, Penn State, LSU, you know, particularly when they're the, the – Flagship, and this isn't, this isn't, you know, Auburn's a great university too. Its dynamic is different, but um, I think when you have a state university that's winning, um, I think it attracts a lot of fans um, because it's winning, and that's something now that, that's so generational in Alabama that goes back at least to 1922, uh, probably a little bit before that. But nearly a hundred years when, since Alabama went up and beat Penn, you know, it's something that, that is ingrained in a lot of the state that you do not have to go to the University of Alabama to be a University of Alabama fan. Uh, I, I happen to think that that's fine. I happen to think that that's great for people to pull for whatever they want to pull for. Now, it's a, it's a unique, it's a unique situation in Alabama for a lot of historical reasons. We'll be right back. Well, and, and obviously Alabama's winning a lot now, and, and the losses must cut pretty deep when they do happen, even though Alabama has mostly managed to recover from them when they do during the regular season. Have you noticed a, a difference at all in the way that Alabama fans cope with losing games throughout the years that you've covered it? Is, is the devastation pretty similar, or, or do you feel like there are noticeable differences between eras, like, like specifically the Saban and Shirley years? Well, here's here's the thing. You know, Alabama had a tremendous run that, that nobody alive remembers today except in history books. But in the 20s and 30s, they they had another one in the 60s and 70s. Um, they won a national championship in 1992 and were really good for most of the 90s. Uh, and then this decade, they've been the dominant team in college football. So it's something that it's not just something that happened one time. You know, it's been an ongoing dynamic for nearly a hundred years. So a lot of a lot of self-respect and a lot of self worth in the context. And I'm sorry for this long answer, but but it does. Um, while that was going on, while, whether you're talking about the 20s and 30s during the Depression. Whether you're talking about the, particularly in the 60s, not only was Alabama successful, but it was really the main thing in the state that you could identify with positively. There were, there were certainly other things going on, but let's be honest. If, if Alabama was on the national news in the 1960s, it was probably a civil rights story. It probably wasn't particularly, uh, flattering to the state. Um, it, it certainly, uh, was, was, you know, a highly contentious time. Um, but 
if Alabama football came on, everybody in the state, um, again, I'll, I'll exclude Auburn fans, but the vast majority of the citizens in the state could look at it and say there's something that Alabama is best at and Alabama can be proud of. So a huge amount of self-esteem and self-worth got wrapped up into the success of the football team. That's why Coach Bryant was so revered. So when they lose, people take that hard. I think, I think again, there are people in the fan base who, who can deal with it, who are well-adjusted, who understand sometimes you play a better team, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. And then there are people who take it to heart and can't deal with it. And that's, that's just different parts of the fan base. Well, Alabama, you know, at this point, obviously today is a national brand in, in even international to an extent. I'm talking to several people who were born outside the United States who have settled in Alabama or Tuscaloosa and they've really embraced Alabama football. What do you think people from outside the country might find so appealing about it? Well, um, I think if you're talking about people who have, have um, immigrated to Alabama, who have moved to Alabama and embraced it. Yes. Okay. I, I think that, first of all, other than the weather, what's the number two topic of conversation in this state? It's Alabama football. So if you want to be part of the social fabric, uh, you have to be somewhat conversant in it. Uh, I will guarantee you, this may be right, this may be wrong in, in terms of, of priorities, but there are far more people in this state who know who Nick Saban is than know who Kay Ivey is, far more. So if you're going to talk in this state, you, you almost it's just part of the cultural fabric. It would just be in, in reverse, you know, if you move to... Ecuador, you know, you would you would talk about the Andes. I mean, it's just here. It's just looming and large, and everybody talks about it. So, depending on the culture you're from, you know, if you want to assimilate, and, and most immigrants do, you want to be conversant with what people talk about and and watch and, and are involved in. Um, and then it's there's a little fiesta to it too. You know, the Saturdays are fun, and the, even if you don't come to the game, people have parties and watch the game. And people, uh, for the most part, again, setting aside the ones that you're, you're talking about who, who take the losses so hard, but for the most part, it's a fun thing in the fall. You know, it's not all year round. It's 12, 12 Saturdays in the fall. If you have a great season, it's 15 in the Christmas and, and New Year's. Um, so I think that that's probably attractive. And there's, at this point, you know, they're extremely Alabama is extremely well branded, well marketed, uh, slickly presented, and and on top of all that is the elemental fact that it's easier wherever you're from. Wherever people are happier when they win, and they identify with winners, and they like to win, and that's part of it too. Game days here, they've they've obviously become this occasion where some some fans make it this interesting choice to wear somewhat formal clothing i'm just curious what do you think it is about a college football game that makes it such a dressy event for some people well you know a lot of places in the country it's not you know you go to, to for, for some people any any social event for which you paid six hundred dollars a pair for tickets is automatically going to be a you know you're going to dress to to what you paid to attend 
Uh, but, you know, in Alabama, I mean, it's, it's, that really gets into the, to the long history of, of, um, going to college in Alabama. Many of the people who go to college at Alabama are part of the Greek system. Um, and, and it's wanting to look your best. I, I, I don't make as much. Some people make the, the Saturday stadium, Sunday church analogy that I, I think is stretched a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's part of, it's part of college and part of Alabama's, uh, image is for those, those students and, and fans who, who do that. And certainly you see plenty of jerseys too in podcasts, but for the fans who do that and for the students particularly who do that, that's part of the image and part of the, part of the culture. Uh, going back a, a you know, pretty, pretty far time, and that's what they want to present, and they want to look good, uh, they want to look successful, uh, and they want to indicate that this is a, this is a big part of the state of Alabama, and that if you can, can be there and get in, that, that it's worth dressing up for. Well, in, in living in Tuscaloosa, I'm curious if you ever come across or how often you come across people who dislike or are just completely indifferent to Alabama football? Um, well, first of all, there, there are Auburn fans, Mississippi State fans. You know, there, there are a few who, who come here for work and are loyal to their team. LSU fans, uh, you, you run into those at Tuscaloosa. I, I don't think it's the same dynamic in Tuscaloosa as it is if you live in Birmingham. Or if you live in Huntsville, or if you live in Montgomery, you know it, it's it's rare here. You know, it's, it's not impossible. It's certainly not unheard of that you, you know Auburn fans. There are some big Auburn fans in Tuscaloosa, but but uh, you don't see too much of it. So from from that standpoint, Tuscaloosa is a little bit a little bit different. As far as people who are apathetic, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are people who, who don't care because of the nature of my job. Uh, you know, I don't run into that a lot because, you know, I'm over there at the football complex virtually every day during the season, um, you know, speaking engagements, so forth. And I'm not out on Saturday to see what's going on at, that, um, you know, the, the restaurants or, or wherever. I'm working. So I don't see a whole lot of it, but I'm sure there are plenty of people who, who um, carry on with their daily lives and, and don't care that much. But they work with people who do care. Their kids go to school with people who do care. Uh, so it's hard to completely shut it out of your life. Well, Cecil, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. I, I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of your work. I'm going to continue to follow your work. And, and thank you again. I really do appreciate it. Sure. Glad to do it.